0: book 2 chapter 3 of bradford's history of the plymouth settlement 1608 to 1650 this librivox recording is in the public domain bradford's history of the plymouth settlement 1608 to 1650 by william bradford rendered into modern english by harold paget book 2 chapter 3 They had arranged with the Massachusetts to go again and trade with them in the spring, and began to prepare for the voyage about the latter end of March. But Hobbamock, their Indian, told them that, from some rumors he had heard, he feared they had joined the Narragansetts and might betray them if they were not careful. He also intimated some suspicion of Squanto from what he had observed of some private whisperings between him and other Indians but they resolved to proceed and sent out their shallop with ten of their chief men about the beginning of april both squanto and hobamok with them considering the jealousy between them but they had not been gone long from the settlement before an indian belonging to squanto's family came running in apparently in great fear and told them that many of the narragansetts with corbitant and he thought also massasoit were coming to attack them and he got away to tell them not without danger and being examined by the governor he made as if the enemy were at hand and kept looking back as if they were at his heels at which the governor ordered the settlers to take arms and stand on their guard and believing the boat would be still within hearing since it was calm he caused a warning piece or two to be shot off which they heard and returned but no indians appeared and though watch was kept all night nothing was seen Habamuck was confident of Massasoit's good faith, and thought it was all false. But the governor had him send his wife privately to see what she could observe, on pretense of other purposes, but nothing was found, and all was quiet. So they proceeded on their voyage to the Massachusetts and had good trade, and returned in safety, blessed be God. But by what had passed they began to see that Squanto sought his own ends and played his own game, by frightening the Indians and getting gifts from them for himself, making them believe he could stir up war against them if he would, and make peace for whom he would. He even made them believe the English kept the plague buried in the ground, and could send it among them whenever they wished, which terrified the Indians and made them more dependent on him than on Massasoit. This made him envied, and was likely to have cost him his life, for after discovering this, Massasoit sought it both privately and openly. This caused Squanto to stick close to the English, and he never dared leave them till he died. The colony also made good use of the emulation between Habemuk and him, which made them behave more squarely, the governor seeming to countenance the one and the captain the other, by which they procured better intelligence and made them both more zealous in their service now their provisions were practically all exhausted and they looked anxiously for supplies but none came about the latter end of may however they spied a boat at sea which at first they thought was some frenchman but it proved to be a shallop which came from a ship which mr weston and another man had sent out fishing at a place called damaris cove forty leagues to the eastward of them where that year many ships had come to fish this boat brought seven passengers and some letters but no provisions and no hope of any part of this letter i will give mr weston in england to mr john carver at new plymouth the fortune in which mr cushman went who i hope is with you for we daily expect the ship back again left england at the beginning of july with thirty-five persons though not over well provided with necessaries owing to the parsimony of the adventurers I have begged them to send you a supply of men and provisions before she returns they all answer they will do great things when they hear good news nothing before so faithful constant and careful of your good are your old and honest friends that if they hear not from you they are not likely to send you supplies i will now explain the sending of this ship hoping if you give me credit you will have a more favorable opinion of the project than some here whereof pickering is one mr beauchamp and i have bought this little ship and have fitted her out partly it may be to benefit the plantation and partly to recoup ourselves for former losses though we are censured this is the reason we have sent this ship and these passengers on our own account and we desire you to entertain them and supply them with such necessaries as you can spare and among other things pray lend or sell them some seed corn or if you have some of the salt remaining from last year let them have it for their present use and we will either pay you for it or give you more when our salt pan is at work which we want to have set up in one of the little islands in your bay we intend if god please and the others will not join us to send within a month another ship which having discharged her passengers will go to virginia and perhaps we shall send a small ship to remain with you on the coast which should be a great help to the plantation In order that we may accomplish our endeavors, which will be also for your good, pray give them entertainment in your houses while they are with you, so that they may lose no time, but may at once proceed to fell trees and cleave them, so that lading may be ready and the ship be not delayed. Some of the adventurers have sent you herewith some directions for your furtherance in the common enterprise like those whom st james speaks of that bid their brother eat and warm himself but give him nothing so they bid you make salt and uphold the plantation but send you no means wherewith to do it by the next ship we intend to send more people on our own account and to take a patent lest your people should be as inhuman as are some of the adventurers and should not permit us to dwell with them which would be such extreme barbarism that i will not let myself think you have any such pickerings among you Yet to satisfy our passengers I must perforce do it, and for some other reasons which I need not write. I find the rest so backward, and your friends at Leiden so cold, that I fear you must stand on your own legs, and trust, as they say, to God and yourselves. Subscribed, your loving friend, Thomas Weston. Several other things I pass over, being tedious and impertinent all this was but cold comfort with which to fill their hungry bellies and a slender performance of his recent promise and as little did it either fill or warm them as those the apostle james speaks of to which he refers there came by the same ship other letters but of later date one from mr weston and another from some of the other adventurers as follows mr weston in england to mr john carver at new plymouth mr carver since my last in order that we might more readily help the company at a meeting of some of the principal adventurers a proposition was made and agreed to by all present except pickering that each man should further adventure the third part of what he had formerly done some others followed pickering's example and would adventure no more therefore the greater part of the adventurers being willing to support the enterprise seeing no reason why those who were willing should carry on the business of those who were unwilling and whose backwardness discouraged those who would go forward and hindered other new adventurers from joining we having well considered the matter have resolved according to the article in our agreement that by general consent the adventurers and settlers for just cause may break off their joint stock to break it off, and beg you to ratify and confirm the same on your parts. This being done, we shall the more willingly proceed to provide you with necessary supplies, but in any case you must agree to the articles and send them back under your hands and seals by the first ship. So I end, your loving friend Thomas Weston, January 17th, 1621 another letter was written by part of the company of the adventurers to the same purpose and subscribed with nine of their names of which mr weston's and mr beauchamp's were two this inconstancy and shuffling seemed strange and it appeared there was some mystery in the matter so the governor concealed these letters from the public and only imparted them to some trusted friends for advice Who agreed with him that to inform them would tend to disband and scatter them in their present necessity and if mr weston and others like-minded should come over with shipping provisioned as his letters suggested most of the advantage would fall to him to the prejudice of themselves and their friends and the rest of the adventurers from whom as yet they had heard nothing indeed it was doubted whether he had not sent over the people in the former ship with this idea However, they took compassion on the seven whom this ship, fishing to the eastward, had kept till planting time was over, so that it was too late for them to set their corn, and who brought no food, for they turned them ashore without any. Nor had the salt-pan come, so they could not accomplish any of the things which Mr. Weston had mentioned, and might have starved if the plantation had not succoured them. Their wants were supplied exactly as the rest of the settlers. The ship went down to virginia where they sold both ship and fish of the proceeds of which mr weston received a very slender share it is understood after this came another of his ships bringing letters dated the tenth april from mr weston as follows mr weston in england to governor bradford at new plymouth mr bradford these etc The fortune has arrived, whose good news concerning you I am very glad to hear. And though she was robbed on the way by the French, yet I hope your loss will not be great, for the prospect of so great a return much encourages the adventurers, so that I hope some matter of importance will be done by them. As for myself, I have sold my adventure and debts to them, so I am quit of you and you of me for that matter and now though i have no position as an adventurer amongst you i will advise you a little for your good if you like to avail yourselves of it i know as well as any the disposition of your adventurers whom the hope of gain has drawn on to what they have done but i fear that hope will not draw them much further Besides, most of them are against sending your friends at Leiden, in whose interests this business was first begun, and some of the most religious, for instance a Mr. Green, takes exception to them, so that my advice is, you may follow it if you please, that you forthwith break off your joint stock, which you have the right to do both in law and conscience, since the majority of the adventurers have sanctioned it in a former letter, the resources you have there which i hope will be to some purpose by means of this spring's trade may with the help of some friends here meet the expense of transporting the leyden contingent and when they are with you i do not question but by god's help you will be able to subsist of yourselves but i leave you to your own discretion i requested several of the adventurers mr pierce mr green and others if they had anything to send you such as food or letters to send them by these ships and wondering that they sent not so much as a letter, I asked our passengers what letters they had, and after some hesitation one of them told me he had one, which was delivered him with great show of secrecy, and for its greater security he was told to buy a pair of new shoes, and sew it between the soles for fear of its being intercepted. I, taking the letter, wondering what mystery might be in it, broke it open and found this treacherous letter subscribed by the hands of Mr. Pickering and Mr. Green." had it come to your hands without comment it might have injured if not ruined us all for assuredly if you had followed their instructions and had treated us as unkindly as they advise you to do distrusting us as enemies etc it might have set us together by the ears to our destruction for i believe that in such a case knowing the nature of past business between us not only my brother but others also would have been violent and heady against you I meant to have settled the people I before and now send you, with or near you, for mutual security and defense and help on all occasions, but I find the adventurers so jealous and suspicious that I have altered my resolution, and have given orders to my brother and those with him to do as he and they shall find fit. Your loving friend, Thomas Weston, April 10, 1621. Part of Mr. Pickering's and Mr. Green's letter to the settlers at New Plymouth to mr bradford and mr brewster etc my dear love remembered to you all etc the company has bought out mr weston and are very glad they are freed of a man who thought himself superior to the rest and not expressing so much fear of god as was meet i need say no more a few words to the wise mr weston will not permit letters to be sent in his ships nor anything for your good or ours since it would be contrary to his interests his brother andrew whom he sends as principal in one of these ships is a violent heady young man and set against you there and the company here he and mr weston plot their own ends which tend to your and our undoing in respect of our estates there We are informed by credible testimony that his purpose is to come out to your colony, pretending he comes for and from the adventurers, and will try to get whatever you have in readiness aboard his ships, as if they came from the company, and all will then be so much profit to himself. Further, they intend to inform themselves what special places or sources of profit you have discovered, so that they may suppress and deprive you. The Lord, who is the watchman of Israel and sleepeth not, preserve you and deliver you from unreasonable men. I am sorry that there is cause to admonish you of these things concerning this man. So I leave you to God, who bless and multiply you into thousands, to the advancement of the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Farewell. Your loving friends, Edward Pickering, William Green I pray conceal both the writing and delivery of this letter, but make the best use of it. We hope to fit out a ship ourselves within this month. The following are of the chief points of Mr. Weston's comments on the foregoing letter. Mr. Bradford, this is the letter I wrote you of, which to answer in every particular were needless and tedious. My own conscience and all our people can, and I think will, testify that my end in sending the ship Sparrow was your good. Now I will not deny that there are many of our people rude fellows, as these men term them, yet I presume they will be governed by such as I set over them, and I hope not only to be able to reclaim them from their profaneness, but by degrees draw them to God. I am so far from sending you rude fellows to deprive you either by fraud or violence of what is yours, that I have ordered the captain of the sparrow to leave you with two thousand of bread and a good quantity of fish." but i will leave it to you to consider what evil this letter might have done had it come to your hands and taken the effect its writers desired now if you be of the same mind as these men deal plainly with us and we will seek our residence elsewhere if you are as friendly as we have thought you to be give us the entertainment of friends and we will take nothing from you neither meat drink nor lodging without in some way or other paying you for it I shall leave in the country a little ship, if God send her safe thither, with sailors and fishermen, to stay there to coast and trade with the savages and the old plantation. It may be we shall be as helpful to you as you will be to us. I think I shall see you next spring, so I commend you to the protection of God, whoever keep you. Your loving friend, Thomas Weston. Thus all their hopes in regard to Mr. Weston were laid in the dust, and all his promised help turned into empty advice, which they saw it was neither lawful nor profitable for them to follow, and they were thus not only left destitute of help in their extreme want, having neither food nor anything to trade with, but others were preparing to glean up what the country might have afforded for their relief as for the harsh censures and suspicions intimated in the former and following letters they desired to judge them as charitably and wisely as they could weighing them in the balance of love and reason and though they came in part from godly and loving friends they recognized that much might arise from over-deep jealousy and fear or from provocation though they saw clearly that mr weston pursued his own ends and was embittered in spirit After the receipt of the former letters, the governor received one from Mr. Cushman, who went home in the ship and was always intimate with Mr. Weston, as former passages prove. It had seemed strange that nothing was heard from him all this while, but it seems it was the difficulty of sending, for this letter was directed as if from a wife in England to her husband who was here, and was brought by him to the governor. It was as follows. Robert Cushman in England to Governor Bradford at New Plymouth beloved sir i heartily salute you trusting you are well and with many thanks for your love by god's providence we got home safely on the seventeenth february being robbed by the french on the way and taken by them into france where we were kept fifteen days and lost all that we had that was worth taking but thanks be to god we escaped with our lives and our ship it does not seem to have discouraged any here i purpose by god's grace to see you shortly i hope in june next or before in the meantime consider well the following mr weston has quite broken off from our company through some disagreement that arose between him and some of the other adventurers and has sold all his adventures and has now sent three small ships for his particular colony of the biggest of these which is one hundred tons mr reynolds is captain mr weston intends to come himself with the others why i know not the people they take are no men for us so i beg you not to entertain them nor to exchange men with them except perhaps some of your worst he has taken out a patent for himself. If they offer to buy anything of you, let it be such as you can spare, and let them give full value for it. If they borrow anything of you, let them leave a good pawn. It is probable he will settle southward of the Cape, for William Trevor has lavishly told what he knew, or imagined, of Capuac, Monaghan, and the Narragansetts. I fear these people will hardly deal as well with the savages as they should." i advise you therefore to signify to squanto that they are a distinct body from us and we have nothing to do with them that we must not be blamed for their faults much less can we warrant their fidelity we are about to recover our losses in france our friends at leyden are well and as many as can will come this time I hope all will turn out for the best, so I pray you not to be discouraged, but to meet these difficulties cheerfully and with courage in that place wherein God has set you until the day of refreshing come, and the Lord God of sea and land bring us comfortably together again, if it may stand with his glory. Yours, Robert Cushman on the other side of the leaf in the same letter came these few lines from mr john pierce in whose name the patent here was taken and of whom more will follow in its place john pierce in england to governor bradford at new plymouth worthy sir i desire you to take into consideration what is written on the other side and in no way to let your own colony be contaminated whose strength is but weakness and may therefore be more enfeebled As for the letters of association, by the next ship we send I hope you will receive satisfaction. In the meantime, whom you admit I will approve. As for Mr. Weston's company, I think them so inferior for the most part that they do not seem fit for honest men's company. I hope they may prove otherwise. It is not my purpose to write at length, but cease in these few lines, and so rest, your loving friend, John Pierce all this they considered carefully but they decided to give the men friendly entertainment partly out of regard for mr weston himself considering what he had done for them and partly out of compassion for the people who had come into a wilderness as they themselves had before and were presently to be put ashore altogether ignorant of what to do the ship was then to carry other passengers to virginia so as they had received mr weston's former company of seven men and victualled them as their own hitherto they received these about sixty strong men and gave them housing for themselves and their goods and many of them who were sick had the best the place could afford them they stayed most of the summer till the ship came back again from virginia then by the direction of those set over them they moved to massachusetts bay where mr weston had obtained a patent for some land on the strength of reports which he had got in some of the letters previously sent home they left all their sick folk here till they were settled and housed But of the provisions of this contingent the new Plymouth colony accepted none, though they were in great want, nor anything else in return for any courtesy rendered by them, nor did they desire it, for they were an unruly company, without proper government, and would inevitably soon fall into want if Mr. Weston did not come out to them. So, to prevent all chance of subsequent trouble, they would accept nothing from them in these straits deserted by those from whom they had hoped for supplies and famine beginning to pinch them severely the lord who never fails his provided assistance beyond all expectation a boat which came from the eastward brought them a letter from a stranger whose name they had never heard before the captain of a fishing-ship this letter was as follows captain john huddleston to the colony at new plymouth to all good friends at new plymouth these etc FRIENDS, COUNTRYMEN, AND NEIGHBORS, I SALUTE YOU AND WISH YOU ALL HEALTH AND HAPPINESS IN THE LORD. I MAKE BOLD TO TROUBLE YOU WITH THESE LINES, BECAUSE UNLESS I WERE INHUMAN I COULD DO NO LESS. BAD NEWS SPREADS ITSELF TOO FAR, BUT STILL I MAY INFORM YOU THAT I AND MANY GOOD FRIENDS IN THE SOUTH COLONY OF VIRGINIA HAVE SUSTAINED SUCH A LOSS AS THE LIVES OF FOUR HUNDRED PERSONS WOULD NOT SUFFICE TO MAKE GOOD. THEREFORE I HOPE, ALTHOUGH NOT KNOWING YOU, that the old rule which i learnt at school may be sufficient that is happy is he whom other men's ills doth make to beware and now again and again wishing all those that willingly would serve the lord all health and happiness in the world and everlasting peace in the world to come i rest yours john huddleston by this boat the governor returned a grateful answer and also sent a boat of their own with mr winslow to procure what he could from the ships He was kindly received by the captain, who not only spared what provisions he could, but wrote to others to do the same. By this means he got a good quantity and returned in safety. Thus the plantation had a double benefit. First, they were refreshed at the time by the food obtained. Secondly, they knew the way to those parts to their advantage thereafter. What this small boat brought, divided among so many, came to but little. Still, by God's blessing, it sustained them until harvest it amounted to a quarter of a pound of bread a day for each person and the governor had it given out daily otherwise had it been in their own custody they would have eaten it up and then starved in this way with what else they could get they made fair shift till their corn was ripe this summer they built a fort with good timber a handsome building and a good defence made with a flat roof and battlement on which their ordnance was mounted and where they kept constant watch especially in time of danger it served them also as a meeting-house and was fitted accordingly for that use it was a big undertaking for them at this period of weakness and want but the dangerous times necessitated it and the continual rumors about the indians here especially the narragansetts and also the news of the great massacre in virginia made all hands willing to complete it now the welcome time of harvest approached in which all had their hungry bellies filled but it amounted to but little compared with a full year's supply partly because they were not yet used to the culture of indian corn they had no other partly owing to their many other employments but chiefly their weakness for want of food prevented them from cultivating it as they should have done again much was stolen even after it became eatable and much more afterwards and though many were well whipped when they were caught stealing a few ears of corn hunger drove others to it whom conscience did not restrain it was quite clear that famine would prevail again next year if not prevented or if their supplies to which they dare not trust should fail markets there were none to go to except the indians and even then they had no trading commodities behold now another providence of god a ship comes into the harbour in charge of a captain jones fitted out by some merchants to discover all the harbours between here and virginia and the shoals of cape cod and to trade along the coast where they could this ship had supplies of english beads which were then good trade and some knives though the captain would sell none except at high prices and in large quantities but they were so glad of the chance that they were willing to buy at any rate, even at a premium of one hundred per cent, if not more, and even then to sell coat beaver at three shillings per pound, which a few years after fetched twenty shillings. By this means they were able again to trade for beaver and other things, and intended to buy what corn they could. But I will here take the liberty of making a little digression. There was aboard this ship a gentleman by name Mr. John Pory, who had been secretary in Virginia, and was now going home as a passenger. After his departure he wrote a letter to the Governor, in the postscript of which were these lines. To yourself and Mr. Brewster I must acknowledge myself much indebted, and would have you feel that his books are well bestowed on one who esteems them such jewels my haste would not suffer me to remember, much less to ask for, Mr. Ainsworth's elaborate work upon the five books of Moses. Both his and Mr. Robinson's highly commend the authors, as conversant with the scriptures above all others. And who knows what good it may please God to work by them, through my unworthy hands, who finds such high content in them. God have you all in his keeping. Your unfeigned and firm friend, John Pory. August twenty-eighth, 1622 this i insert here in honor of the author's memory which this gentleman thus ingenuously acknowledges and he upon his return did the plantation much credit amongst men of no mean rank but to return shortly after harvest mr weston's people who were now settled in massachusetts and had by disorder as it seems made havoc of their provisions began now to realize that want would press them finding that the people here had bought trading commodities and intended to trade for corn they wrote to the governor and asked that they might join them in trading employing their small ship for the purpose and further requested them either to lend or to sell them some of their trading commodities in return and they would undertake to make payment when mr weston or their supplies should come the governor agreed to do so upon equal terms intending to go round the cape southwards with the ship where corn might be got Captain Standish was appointed to go with them, and Squanto as a guide and interpreter, about the latter end of September. But the winds drove them in, and putting out again, Captain Standish fell ill with fever, so the governor went himself. But they could not get round the shoals of Cape Cod, for flats and breakers, and Squanto could not direct them better. The captain of the boat dare not venture any further, so they put into Manamoac Bay, and got what they could there here squanto fell ill of indian fever bleeding much at the nose which the indians take for a symptom of death and within a few days he died he begged the governor to pray for him that he might go to the englishman's god in heaven and bequeathed several of his things to some of his english friends as remembrances his death was a great loss on this voyage they got in one place or another about twenty-six or twenty-eight hogsheads of corn and beans which was more than the indians could well spare hereabouts for they sowed but little till they got english hoes so they had to return disappointed that they could not get round the cape and were not better laden afterwards the governor took a few men and went to inland places to get what he could to be fetched home in the spring which was some help in february a messenger came from john sanders who was left in charge of mr weston's men at the bay of massachusetts bringing a letter telling of the great want they had fallen into he wished to borrow a hogshead of corn from the indians but they would lend him none he asked whether he might not take it from them by force to supply his men till he returned from the east where he was going The governor and the rest dissuaded him strongly for it might exasperate the indians and endanger their safety and all might smart for it already it had been rumored how they had wronged the indians by stealing their corn etc and that they were much incensed against them but so depraved were some of mr weston's people that they went and told the indians that the governor intended to come and take their corn by force This and other things made them enter into a conspiracy against the English, of which more in the next chapter. Herewith I end this year. End of Book 2, Chapter 3